welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. As I said, it's good to, to see your faces this week with no masks. Uh, who was excited on Friday when the masks went out? I've I, I got to tell you, I think they're coming back at some point, but... I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but um, how many times did you forget your mask? I'll tell you what, that was the thing that was relieving to me was that I was not going to forget my mask again because the amount of times I went into the, the... Am I reverbing up here? Maybe up here I am. The amount of times I went into the shops or, or I went somewhere and realised that I wasn't wearing a mask or I was getting out of the car and walking towards the shops and then saw everyone else with masks. There was one time we went, um, we went on the boat out, out at, where was it, Deepwater Point or something with um, the Suttons, Darren and Teresa, and went over to Dome to go and get a coffee. And I rock up into, in Dome, and I, I walk in there, and um, the lady at the checkout is like, giving me these eyes. And at first I'm thinking, is she like having a seizure or something? Like what's going on with her eyes here? She's like convulsing and do I need to call like triple zero or something to get, get this lady some help? She's like just looking like this. And then I was like, what is she doing? And then I thought, oh, she's checking me out. <laughs> I was like, oh, excuse me. She's like, she's, but she's tr- obviously trying to get my attention. And then she's like, the mask. And I realized I wasn't wearing a mask. And I don't know if you've ever realized that you're naked in public. (laughs) Just me. But you kind of cover yourself up. I was like, oh, cover up. I'm I'm naked. I had to rush out. And then what, what happened next was I had left my mask in the car, which was like parked 10 minutes away. And I was like, I'm not doing this. So I don't know how you feel about this, but I borrowed someone's mask. That's probably not... A very good thing, is it? But I'm glad that I can walk around free for a little while at least. Um, how's your new year been? Good. It's only a week in. Give it time. <laughs> my day was fantastic today. I put my hand in my pants and I found $10 notes. I was like, I hope we're singing Glorious Day this morning. Found also found a Macca's receipt that was kind of all crumped up and crinkly, but that's all right. It's a good start to the year to find $10 in your pocket. But um, I want to speak this morning about starting the year right. And if you uh, have been part of our church for any time now, I hope that you catch the heart of our church is to really minister to the heart of people. And that is because we believe that God is really, really interested in our hearts. God's desire has always been for his people to love him and to experience his love. More than he wants us to act a certain way or behave a certain way, he wants our hearts first. And so I feel at the start of the year, a good way to start and to set up your year is to start with your heart. To start with your heart. We see that throughout the scriptures, throughout the Bible, as we read through the Bible, we we constantly see this ongoing uh, narrative, this ongoing 
conversation, this ongoing interaction between God and his people, where he's trying to bring them to a place where they love him with all of their hearts and where they can experience his great love for them. And we see multiple occasions where uh, we kind of go off track, we kind of get things a little bit skewed, a little bit wrong, and we start to work a little bit more on our performance or our behavior or our externals rather than the internals. And God continues to bring us back to the point that he's actually more interested in what's going on in your heart than some of the things that you may because who you are as a person is guided by who you are internally. Your external world is, is so much determined and, and guided by who you actually are as a person. I get the privilege of going into a couple of different local schools and you know, speaking to some of the, the, the younger students. And uh, just last year, I was able to, to, to speak to some year 11 students who, you know, they're at, at a point in life where they're kind of considering what comes next. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? And they get asked this question so many times. What do you want to do when you finish school? What do you want to do? What, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And, and it becomes almost like a major to them that they need to determine and work out what they want to do with their lives. So when I spoke to them, I, I try to encourage them that it's actually more important to ask the question, who do you want to be when you finish school? Because ultimately, who you are will affect and determine how you do what you do anyway. So you could come to the point of wanting to uh, become a police officer or wanting to become uh, a musician or whatever it may be, whatever God has put on your heart. But who you are as a is ultimately more important than what you do as a person because who you are internally will shape and affect what you do anyway. So we, we've got to ask the question, who are we, not just what are we here for? What are we going to do? And Jesus was constantly leading his people back to the conversation around their hearts. He saw that, that, that it was so important for them to get the heart right. So I feel that at the start of a new year, probably the best way that we can uh, shape our year is to look at the state of our heart. So if I was to ask you this morning, let's, let's have a little bit of a medical check. Is your heart today? And I'm obviously not talking about your physical heart. I'm talking about your internal world, who you are as a person, your heart. How is your heart? How would you even describe that? Perhaps you would say, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit tired in my heart. Maybe you would say, I'm joyful in my heart. Maybe you'd say, I'm struggling internally. There's some challenges going on in my heart. But this morning, we're going to do a bit of a heart checkup and look at what is important to God is our heart. So Proverbs 4.23, you're probably all very familiar with this passage of Scripture. It says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Another translation would say, For a life flows from your heart. The writer of the Proverbs is uh, obviously saying above all else that this is actually important that we take time to guard our hearts. That word guard means to keep, to tend to, to, to look after, to watch over, to literally guard, to make sure that, that the state of your heart is, is kept soft before God. 
And how many of us understand that that's not just something that happens haphazardly? One translation says, be vigilant. Be aware of what is taking place in your heart. Because I want to tell you that there are things that go on internally that sometimes we don't realize are happening. You know, discouragement can start to breed in our hearts without us really even knowing. So we have to be aware of what is actually happening inside of us. You don't always have a say about what happens to you, but you always have a say about what's happening in you, the way that you process, the way that you deal with things. You have, an, you have a, a part to play in what you will allow into your heart and what you won't. Be vigilant. Keep on guard. Why? Because life flows from your heart. Because all of your life is going to flow from your heart. So if your heart is in a bad state, guess what's going to happen? Guess what's going to come out? Jesus says to, to his disciples, he says, From the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. What does that mean? What's coming out of our lips, what, what we're saying, what we're speaking, is actually an indication of what's happening in our hearts. Because all of life flows from this place called our heart. And so the writer to the proverb says, be very, very aware of what you are doing with your heart. Beware, be vigilant, guard it above all else. Take it seriously. Take stock. Do you ever stop and, and, and just sit with the Lord and just ask him, God, you know, there's some stuff in my heart right now that I'm, I know is not great or I know is affecting me or I understand is unhealthy to me. Lord, what do I do with this? Do you bring that to the, to the Lord to, to process we see that, you know, as Jesus came to minister on the earth, that um, there was a group of, of religious leaders who had, I guess they, they had kind of become the elite of the elite, the Pharisees, who, who had taken on the law of God and they, they'd become teachers of the law of God. And they had kind of added and, 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 and made more out of the law of God than, than God had intended them to. And so they put all these burdens and they, they, they heaped all of these different regulations and restrictions upon people. And then Jesus confronts them at one point. And he says to them, you know, you spend so much time cleaning the outside of the cup. You, you spend all this time making sure that the way people see you, that the perception that they have of you, that, that the way you, 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 the mask that you put, he calls them hypocrites, which is uh, the, the Greek word for actors because they put on masks and they put on plays. He says, you, you take all this time to clean the outside of the cup and yet the inside is defiled. And it's from the inside of the cup that all of these things come out. It's from inside of your heart that all of these things come out. And we can spend a lot of time trying to clean the outside of the cup, get the image right, make sure that we, we, we're acting right or we're lifting our hands at the right time or we're saying amen at the right time. But we see this, that, that, that God actually talks to his people in, uh, through the prophet Isaiah and he says to them that th these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They got the songs in the right places. They're saying amen at the right times. They're acting like they're religious. But guess what? Their hearts are actually far from me. And more than he wants your performance, he wants your heart. He wants you as a person. He wants relationship with you. So how is your heart to start 2022? How is your heart? 
Can I say that there are some things, I reckon, you know, we do have an enemy who, who is um, out to kill, steal, and destroy. He's not here to, to kind of play games with you and just kind of keep you occupied or, make, make, you know, help you to enjoy life. He actually wants to destroy your life. The enemy wants to destroy you. He's not a friend. He's not for you. He, he has a plot and a, and a plan to try and take us out. And you know, one of the ways that he tries to do that is through our hearts. He attacks our minds and our hearts. Because if he can get to, to you as a person, to, to the core of who you are, and attack your heart, then he may not make you blatantly go off track, but he could slow you down. He could wear you out. He can break you down slowly, but surely. I don't know if you've ever had a pebble in your shoe. Anyone ever had a, a little rock in your shoe? As you're walking with that little rock, now it can be tiny, right? But as you continue to walk with that, if you keep that in your foot, eventually in your shoe, eventually it's going to have an impact on your foot. Now we may be aware of the massive boulders that the, the enemy or that life would put in front of us, but we've got to take stock of the little pebbles that are actually starting to, to wear away at some of the, 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 the softness of our heart. So this morning we're actually going to look at a couple of attacks on the heart and perhaps what we could do to, to guard our hearts and to make sure that we are uh, staying soft before the Lord. So here is one of the, the attacks that we see, a troubled heart. This in our John uh, chapter 14, verse 1. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Have you had opportunity in the last year for your heart to be troubled? Has there been any, I don't know about you, I've, I've had a couple of chances, a couple of opportunities in the last 24 hours for my heart to be troubled. That word troubled means to be agitated, to be stirred, to be disturbed. Your heart to be troubled. It's not hard in our day and age to look around and be troubled. But Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. To be stirred or to be agitated or disturbed you know, we're living in, 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 a, in a society, in an, a day and an age where we are just being bombarded with bad news. We're being, you know, overwhelmed with, with this craziness of a dark and broken world, which is being beamed into our lives from all these different channels, telling us how bad it is, telling us what's going wrong, telling us all of these things. It's not very hard to be troubled right now. And without the media, without television, without all of these different avenues, even if you put them away, it's still possible for you to have opportunity for your heart to be troubled. Just going through life gives opportunity for our hearts to be troubled. Here are a few things that, that, that can trouble our hearts right now. We are an over-worried people. Not just worried, we're over-worried nowadays. You, you know, the last 
what, 24 months has given opportunity for an increase in worry. If you thought we used to worry as a people before, now that there is more and more opportunity to worry, 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 worry. We are an over-worried people. In fact, worry has become such, a, anxiety has become such a, a huge um, issue for our society now. We're, we're not just worried about things, we're, we're over-worried about things. In the last couple of you know, months, we've been worried about a um, virus. In the last couple of months, we've been worried about vaccine. In the last couple of months, we've been worried about borders. In the last couple of months, we've been worried about finances. In the last couple of months, we, we worry, worry, worry. And do you know what happens if you just dwell on the worry? Your heart gets troubled. You start to lose focus. You start to think, man, it is overwhelming. We're an overwhelmed people. Society is just like, when does stuff stop now? You know, there is like, we live at such a pace that it is unsustainable for the human soul to continue. God gave us this thing called the Sabbath, this gift, where he calls us to a place of rest. And we understand the spiritual aspect of the Sabbath is that when we enter into Christ, we cease from our own works and we enter into this spiritual rest. But there is also a need for physical rest. We're overwhelmed with work. We're overwhelmed with the hours that we consume. We're overwhelmed with information. We're just overwhelmed. The life is going at such a rapid pace. I think back to Jesus' times and think, man, they used to walk kilometers to go from place to place at walking distance. we got to be there the fastest that we can. You put it into your GPS, and if there's a minute quicker route, you take that one, don't you? Because a minute is, a, minute is a dollar. A minute, time, time is money. Time, like we need the time. I knew we were in trouble when... Um, Maccas brought two drive throughs in because fast food wasn't fast enough when there was only one drive through I can't wait six minutes for my McMuffin. I want to wait four minutes, bring in two drive throughs we, we just move at this fast, fast pace. I don't know if you ever feel exhausted at the end of the day. It's because your brain is constantly processing overloads of information. We're an overwhelmed people and what happens when we get overwhelmed is that there is opportunity again for our heart to become troubled and Jesus says don't let your hearts be troubled and what does he say then trust in God trust in God so what is what is a a, a way to to guard our hearts from trouble it's to learn to trust in God Rather than being over-worried, trust in Him. Rather than being overwhelmed, trust in Him. Rather than than getting over-panicked and and, and moving over-pace, trust in Him. Learn how to lean upon Him. Learn how to trust in Him. This is in Psalm 112, verse 7. It's speaking of God's people and He talks about the righteous. And He says, They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. It's not that they're anxious and they're worried and they're concerned because they trust God and they they trust that He will care for 
So this year, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in Him. Trust in Him. He knows what He's doing. Trust in Him. When we don't have clarity, we trust in His sovereignty. He's at work. He's doing something. Trust in Him. Don't let your heart be troubled. Maybe some of us actually need to say that at some point this year. I will not let my heart be troubled. I will trust in Him. When the circumstances come, when, when it feels overwhelming, no, I will not let my heart be troubled. I will trust in Him. Use the word. Store it in your heart. I will not let my, my heart be troubled. Because a troubled heart is a playing field for the enemy as well. A troubled heart is. Here's another attack on our, our, our hearts. We see that, that there's an attack for us to lose heart. Again, through the circumstances of life, through the things that we do, through the things that we experience. In 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 16, Paul says this. He says, so we do not lose heart. And it's the second time he says this in 2 Corinthians 4. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. We do not lose heart. In context, he's talking about the, the glory of the new covenant and he's talking about uh, the ministry of the apostle and the ministry that they, they, they have been given. And in this ministry, he suffers a lot. He goes through a lot of different difficult hardships, a lot of trials, a lot of things that would uh, uh, potentially make us lose heart. You know what it is to lose heart? When, when, when you kind of just start to fade, when, when your heart start, starts to get a little bit cold, when, 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 you, when you start to almost get to that point where you, I just kind of feel like giving up, I kind of feel like letting go. But he says, we do not lose heart. And he's referring to the glory of this covenant, the hope that we see in Jesus. Because we trust in Jesus, because we have hope in Jesus, we won't lose heart. But it's, it's possible for us to, to, to walk through life and just to become so heavy-hearted, to become so uh, almost tempted to just kind of lose heart and give up. Can I encourage you this morning, brothers and sisters, don't lose heart this year. Don't give in. Don't give up. Endure. Fight the good fight of faith. Stay. Stand. Do not give up. Don't give in. Trust in Jesus. Find hope in Jesus. And don't give up. Here's a couple of things that, that may uh, happen or may, we may experience that would kind of lead to us losing heart. Discouragement. Anyone ever felt that before? You, you, you've done something or you have, have this dream or God's leading you in a certain area and it doesn't happen it, it, you, you, you wanted to do this or someone told you you can't do that or uh, life is just kind of feeling like it's not working. The things that you're putting your hand to are failing. Yeah, all of these different things that could build up and we become discouraged. And too much discouragement, if we dwell in that place, can end up with us just losing heart. Maybe you've been feeling discouraged in the last year. Maybe that was the message or the theme of your last year. 
life just kind of kept going and kept getting on top of you and you felt so discouraged. That can lead to us losing heart. Another thing is disappointment. If you dwell in disappointment for long enough, you can lose heart. We've all experienced disappointment. Again, maybe there's something that you were believing for that didn't happen. And you're disappointed. Or maybe uh, someone in your life, you know, there's a relationship and, and they've done something and it's disappointed you or, or, or you've experienced disappointment at work or whatever it may be. We all experience these things like disappointment. What about disappointment with God? Where you were believing for something, where you were praying for something, where you felt like he said something to you, he gave something to you and, and, and it didn't happen. And then we get disappointed in our hearts and we hold that against God. And if that is given enough space and enough time to fester, it can lead to us losing heart. I'm not saying that, 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 that we're never going to feel discouraged or that we won't ever feel disappointment because we probably will. Some of us might feel that quite often. But again, it's what we do with that. How do we process it? Do we just allow it to be the thing that fills our heart? Will you allow discouragement to fill your heart? Or will you guard your heart with all, all vigilance? Will you watch out and think, oh, I'm actually starting to get discouraged here. I need to go and talk to someone. I need to, I need to pray with someone. Or, or will you feel like, I am so disappointed, I'm just going to keep building this di disappointment. Because this all adds up after time. And the more that you carry it, the more that you hold on to it, the greater and greater it will start to take up space in your heart. And before you know it, you won't just feel discouraged. You won't just feel disappointed. You will feel defeated. You will feel like, I, I, I've, I'm going to give in. I've lost the fight. I, 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 there's no point. Why, what is the point of trying? Because discouragement and disappointment, if it's left long enough, will lead to defeat. We'll have this mentality, this disposition of our hearts that we are defeated. That What's the point? We're just going to keep trying and, and just going to give up. Can I tell you that, that, that Christians, although we experience hardship, we're not to live defeated. We're actually called to live in a place of victory, from a place of victory. Because Jesus is victorious. He is the victor. He is the one who, who, who won the battle. The enemy is the defeated one. He has been defeated, and it will be revealed that he has been defeated. And he knows that he's been defeated, but he wants to make us feel like we have to live in this place of defeat. Muhammad Ali was a, a great boxer. Some would say one of the greatest ever. And um, for, I, I think it was like the first eight of his fights, he never got knocked down. He was such a, he was like, I'm obviously not a good boxer. But he, he did all these moves to like get out of the way and he'd be able to dodge hits. He'd be able to take punches. But there was this one fight and he was fighting against a guy called Sonny, I'm pretty sure. And uh, he, he, he's in this fight and it's the first time that he gets knocked down. It was like left, right, left, bang. He hits the floor. He hits the canvas. And so, so people say that the whole world kind of gasped. Like everyone in the, in the, in the uh, boxing arena were like, oh, he's hit the floor. 
And they watched to see what would happen to this champion, to this guy that's never been knocked down before, to the greatest fighter. What would actually happen? And the referee starts to count one, two, three. And people are like looking, what's going on? Is he going to get back up? And this is what the wives' tale is, <laughs> or speculation would say, that Muhammad Ali said to himself that the canvas is no place for a champion. And so he got back up and he ended up winning the fight. It was the first time he'd ever been knocked down. Can I tell you that, that life is not so much about how many times you get knocked down, but about how many times you're going to get back up. Because you may get knocked down in life. You may have experiences, there may be things that happen that knock you to the canvas. But I take those words and say the canvas is no place for a Christian. Because we are to live a, a victorious life inside of ourselves. Things may not change around you, but what's happening inside of you can, can change. You can still live with joy. You can still live with, 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 with gladness in your heart, even though things are falling apart around you. Victory is his. Remember that. Here's another thing. When we feel discouraged, we see this in the life of David. David was, uh, was in this battle. That they went away to a battle and um, the enemies had come and they raided the camp and pretty much destroyed everything and they came back and they were, the, the men of war, were, the Bible actually says that they were in tears. They were wailing because of the destruction. And then they were wanting to, to kind of kill David because he was the, the, the leader and they blamed him for it. We always try to blame someone for our difficulties, for what happens to us. We were like, I don't know, it feels just better to blame people, doesn't it? We're looking for someone to blame rather than just processing what's actually taken place. But it says there that, that David actually encouraged himself in the Lord. He learned how to encourage himself in the Lord. He learned how to, to go to God for the courage that he needed to face that situation. He went and inquired of the Lord. He went and spoke to the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, we are called as brothers and sisters, as Christians, to encourage one another. That is one of the things that we're instructed to do in the Bible, to encourage each other. Why do we need to do that? Because we get discouraged. Because we go through life and we have circumstances and situations that take place and we need someone to come alongside us and encourage us. But that's not always possible. And we shouldn't become reliant upon it. One of the things that we have to learn to do for ourselves is to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. How to draw strength. How to draw courage. How to draw hope from Him. How to go to him with whatever it is that's troubling you, with whatever it is that's discouraging you, and ask him to help. Ask him to give strength. Ask him to give you encouragement. This year, encourage yourself in the Lord. Go to him. Do not lose heart. Here is another thing that we see uh, that is possible, an attack on our hearts. It's a hard heart. To have a hard heart. In Hebrews 3, verse 8, it says, Today when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. Do not harden your heart 
when they tested me in the wilderness. Actually, I'll read that whole passage. Um, Hebrews 3, verse 6, it says, But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. This is what the Holy Spirit says. Today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. Therefore, your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. They saw the miracles of God and they still hardened their hearts. So I was angry with them and said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. Again, he is interested in their hearts. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter the place of rest. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other each day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God as firmly as we first believed, then we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Can, can I say this? We've got to guard our hearts against becoming hard-hearted, against becoming hard toward people and hard toward God. You want an indication of where your heart is? How is your love for people and how is your love for God? Be aware that it is possible for us to harden our hearts against God. Here are some things that, that, that could contribute to a hard heart. Anger. I don't know if you've ever felt that one before. Experienced anger in the past. But again, anger, when it's not processed, starts to go in this vicious cycle which continues to build and become more than just anger, but bitterness and resentment and hatred. And it festers in our hearts and it becomes, our hearts can actually become cold toward people, hard toward people. Think about your perception or your engagement with someone who has upset you or has made you angry. And I say made you angry they didn't necessarily make you angry. Your response was anger to them. But what is your desire for relationship like with that person? We become, oh, I don't want to be around that person. I don't, I don't really want to be in the same room as that person. I, I don't want to talk to that person. Why? Because anger in our hearts makes us hard toward one another. What about anger towards God? When we hold on to things and we, 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 we put them on God and we become angry toward Him, there's this hardness that takes place in our hearts. We can become angry. I think this is part of the reason Jesus is so big on forgiveness, so big on reconciliation, because it actually affects our worship. It affects our worship of Him when I'm angry with someone else. He actually says, like, leave your gift at the altar and go, and go and fix that relationship. Why? Because your worship is actually affected by the state of your heart and the resentment you're holding towards someone. Forgiveness can help to soften our hearts in those areas. Maybe it is something that someone has done to you that should never have happened to you. And, and, and there is almost this rightness to feel the way that you felt 
But if you hold on to that and you live in that place, guess what? It affects you more than it affects them. That hatred that we hold on to actually does more to poison our soul than it does to the person who may not even realize that they've done something to hurt you. And so part of keeping our hearts soft and not letting it be hard is to be forgiving, is to walk in reconciliation, is to come to this place where our hearts are not hardened toward God or towards others. Here's another thing that will harden our hearts. Apathy. It's not just the stuff that, that, that we think is blatant, but sometimes it's the attitudes of our hearts like, oh, I don't really care. That, that, that indicates a hard heart. That indicates coldness of heart. In Mark chapter 3, we see this interaction where uh, there's this man with a withered hand, where his hand is like, you know, withered, whatever that is, withered hand. And, and, and Jesus comes and he basically says, can you heal him? And they're in the... Um, synagogue and it's on the sabbath and the pharisees are like you can't heal on the sabbath and the scripture actually says that jesus was distressed by their hardness of heart because they saw this man in need and they elevated the restrictions above his actual need and jesus was like you've become so religious that your hearts are hard toward someone suffering I wonder if our hearts just become apathetic at times and it creates this hardness of heart where we're just kind of cold towards suffering. And maybe we trace back to that over-information that we, we experience because we, we can see counters of statistics of people that are in need or, or hungry or dying of starvation or these this counter of people dying of COVID or whatever it may be, and we see numbers and statistics rather than people and faces and souls. And we become apathetic and our hearts become hard toward what God is wanting to do in that situation because we're just kind of like complacent toward it. Apathy. Jesus was, he was like, what? Like your religion is stopping you from having compassion? Your, your religion is, is becoming a restriction? Do you know that religion can lead to a hard heart? Being a religious person can lead to a hard heart? Jesus wants about me doing everything right, me working as hard as I can to prove that I am worthy. And in doing that, I then harden my heart towards the one who can actually change it. The Pharisees, they, 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 they had this religious outlook, this, these, these customs and uh, this, this narrative, this re- religious narrative in their hearts that made them elite to everyone else. Yeah, they memorized the word. They knew God's word. But they started to use God's word to justify themselves and to condemn others. Be careful of letting religion seep into your relationship with Jesus. Where we can then make ourselves feel like we are holier than everybody else. And in that heightness, your heart will be hardened towards your brother. And a clear thing that will harden our hearts is sin. Sin, calluses, sin, seers. Sin has an effect. We might not like talking about sin, but we have to. 
Sin has an effect on our hearts. If you play with it long enough, sin will callous your heart. If you, if you live in it long enough, if you dwell in the place of, of whatever it may be long enough, it will affect your heart. It will. It's like toxic poison that will go into your system. And if you continue to move in that direction, it will continue to, 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 in, it will continue to affect your heart. You know, when you walk through, I don't know if you've ever seen someone do this, actually hilarious if it's someone else, not so hilarious if it's you. But if there is like a spider web in a tree and, and you, someone walks through it and they realize that they've just walked into a spider web, how many times do they stand there and go, oh, there's a spider on me. I've got a new pet. I'm going to take this with me. You will be called Spidey. It's my opportunity to become Spider-Man. And so they take that spider and they, they give it a home and they look after it and they hold on to it and they, they, they become friends with it. They name it Matilda. And, and, and it just becomes part of their lives, this spider with its venom and its deadliness. They put it in their pocket and they take it everywhere they go. But they can't show anyone else because everyone else will think that's crazy. So they hide the spider. And they bring the spider out when they're alone. And We wouldn't do that with a spider. We shouldn't do that with sin. When you walk through that web and you realize that that's what it is, get it off. Get it out. Like, like don't let it harden your heart. I did, I did um, a bit of work experience with my uncle once, and he was a bricklayer. And uh, when I was like 16, I, have, like, I still, still moisturize my fingers because of this experience. But I had like really soft fingers and I kept like pinching my fingers on these bricks as I'm trying to lay them. And I was like, yeah, he's just like four million bricks in like four minutes. And I'm like trying to pick them up and hurting. And so then I'll get some gloves because I thought, you know, that'll be better. But then you can't get them together properly. The bricks, it's harder to get them together with the gloves. So you've got to use your fingers. And I was like, how do you do it? How do you actually carry them so well? And he's like, because I've done it, like, he looked at his fingers and all the skin is calloused. It's become like hard because he's been lifting bricks for so long. It's had an effect on his fingers. So it is with sin in our lives. If we continue to pick it up, eventually it will callous our hearts. And what used to shock us what we used to say, not nah, never, we slowly kind of, oh, get used to. And then before you know it, you're carrying it. And that hardness of our hearts actually affects everything else. So learning to let those things go, to say no, to lay it down, to come to Jesus for grace. You know, there is grace available in repentance, when we come to him, when we turn out from our way of doing things, our way of thinking, there is grace available to overcome, to say no to. That, that sin that perhaps used to have hold of us no longer has to because there is grace available. There is power in Jesus to overcome. So don't let your heart become hardened. Let it be soft. In Romans chapter 5 um, again, Paul speaks about this. 
understanding the mercy and the hope that we have found in Jesus. And how that by his spirit, he has poured out his love into our hearts. You know what, what the remedy to a hard heart is? It's realizing the love of God. It's resting in the love of God. It's letting his love fill your heart, soften your heart, realize that you are accepted, that you are loved, that he has died for you, that he made provision for you, that, that he has given his spirit to you. And maybe this year, maybe you've come into this year and you're like, oh man, I'm just over it all. Like your heart is hard. You're kind of just holding on. Don't walk through the rest of the year like that. Because if you let that stay there, if you let it be like that, that is going to affect your whole life. These issues of our hearts are a potential to, 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 to slowly but surely break us down. So let your heart be softened before God. This is the kind of heart that I feel like we really want. Not a hard heart. This next one. A heart after His. For this year, I guess this is kind of my New Year's resolution, if I was to have one, is that my heart would be after His this year. That I would allow Him to do whatever it needs to, whatever He needs to do in my heart so that my heart was for Him and my heart was after Him. God says this of David, and we read it uh, scribed back in Acts. Acts 13.22 says, But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, and he will do everything I want him to do. How crazy would it be to be remembered as Someone that God said, this person was a man after my heart. That when it came down to it, their deepest desire was him. And David had his struggles. David had his sin. David had his issues. There were times when he was discouraged, disappointed. He, he, he experienced it all. But God said of him, he was a man who was after my own heart. And I reckon part of that reason is because he guarded his heart from those things and he constantly went back to the Father to be softened again. And he kept that sweet relationship where God could say, generations later, he is an example of someone that was after my own heart. What if this year was about you capturing his heart for you and aligning your heart with his and letting him do whatever he wanted to do in and through your life? But maybe in order to get to that place, we've got to let go of some of those things that we might have carried from last year. I wonder Kyle and, and Marit and Chris Elsa and Matilda, if you guys could join me. 
just to make a little time for us to personally reflect on the state of our hearts right now. And again, I hope that this isn't coming across as like, it's really bad to do this or that or that. But this is just an opportunity for us to see, hang on, there might be some stuff happening inside of me internally that's actually affecting me, that is, that is making some stuff happen inside of me or changing the way that I interact and perceive people or affecting my relationship with God that I don't want to carry into this next year. A softness of your heart. Maybe even now, as we, as we just spend some time with the Lord for ourselves, you, you want to ask Him, God, like, I, I've been feeling discouraged. Or I've been feeling really disappointed. Or my heart has been hard. I've I, I found that I'm like angry towards people or uh, I, I, I'm just like don't want to pray or the, there's these barriers or whatever it may be that I just don't want to carry into this next year. And just bring that before him and ask him, God, what, what would you do with this? How would you have me respond? Maybe he wants to just heal something in you right now. Maybe he wants to get, bring to your remembrance some things that have happened that he wants you to just process or who knows. But how is your heart? Are you aware? We'll take a couple of moments just to, to sit with the Lord for ourselves and uh, allow Him to do whatever He wants to. Let me pray. We'll spend some time waiting and then the team will lead us in a song. Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your desire for relationship with us. And Lord, we want to have that desire in every area of life, to have relationship with you. We understand that as we walk through this life, that there are opportunities, there are things that happen that can contribute to the state of our hearts. But we take heed, as the writer, to the Proverbs, writer of the Proverbs says, that we would guard our hearts. And we wouldn't allow those things to take root. We wouldn't allow those things to, to fester and to grow. Because we understand that that affects our life. It flows from it. So even now, as we just connect with you, God, as we just wait upon you, I pray that you would do what only you can do. That you would work in our hearts, transform us, sanctify us, change us. That we would become more like you, that our hearts would become more Christ-like. And we understand that this is not just by us trying harder, but by us leaning and resting in your grace. We trust in you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au